welcome to A Sustainable Life with me, Jen Gale. Join me each week for inspirational stories from people making sustainable changes in their lives, their work and their communities, as well as solo episodes from me exploring the small changes we can all make each and every day to make a big difference to the planet. Hello, welcome to A Sustainable Life with me, Jen Gale. If you're looking for support, motivation and inspiration to live a more sustainable life, then you are in the right place. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode, which is all about the wonders of renewable energy. Most of us will be aware that as a global society, we need to dramatically cut our carbon emissions if we're to even have a chance of keeping climate change under that all-important two-degree rise and to mitigate the worst of its effects. One of the keys to doing this is to transition our energy usage from fossil fuels like coal and gas to renewable sources of energy like solar, wind and tidal, amongst others. The good news is that this transition is happening and it's happening faster than many renewable experts even dared to hope. In the UK, we got just 9% of our energy from renewable sources in 2009, and this has jumped up to 25% this year, which is just fabulous news. In this episode, I'm chatting to Tom Stewart, who is one of the energy boffins, and I really hope he doesn't mind me calling that, I don't think it's his official job title, at renewable energy company Good Energy. He gives us the lowdown on why renewable energy is such a no-brainer and what we can all do to support the sector, as well as answering my questions around switching to a renewable tariff and exactly how that works. I really hope it inspires you some inspires some of you to make the switch and to take the step to ensure that the energy you use in your home has the same ethical values as you do. You can find all the links mentioned during this episode in the show notes, which are at www.asustainablelife.co.uk forward slash podcast. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. So either leave a comment on the show notes page or pop over to my Facebook community, which you can find on Facebook at A Sustainable Life with Jen Gale. So stick the kettle on, grab the dog to go out for a walk or tell the kids to pipe down in the back of the car, whatever it is you need to do to settle down and to listen in and enjoy. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. It's um, great to have you here. I've got a big, long list of <laughs> questions for you, so we'll <laughs> see how, uh, how much we can, um, we can get done. But to start off with, can you introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about Good Energy and what it is that you do there? Of course. So I'm an energy analyst here at Good Energy. Um, what that means is I kind of monitor the uh, kind of the policy environment and see what's coming from government and see what's coming in terms of new technologies and exciting new trends in the industry and try and hopefully put that all together and make sure yeah, we at Good Energy know what's going on. Um, and, and what we do at Good Energy is we're an energy supplier um, we supply energy to kind of domestic households and businesses across the country. And what we do is we're 100% renewable electricity supplier. So we've always only sold 100% renewable electricity. And this is something that we buy. We've got a community of over 1,400 generators. So people with solar panels and people who own wind farms and people who own um, kind of biodigesters, things returning 
food waste into into electricity and so we buy all that and sell that on to to kind of our customers oh, and we own two wind farms and six solar farms as well so we're yeah a, wow. a fairly we think an important player definitely and here in the uk we have people refer to the big six energy suppliers mm. and certainly over the last few years that landscape is changing isn't it and they they seem to have less of a sort of stranglehold what is it that sets good energy apart from from the big six yeah so i suppose we are we we're radically different really but, um as I, as I mentioned, we, we sell only 100% renewable electricity. That's something that the big six, you know, definitely can't claim to have, mm. have always been doing. We're quite a small organisation. We're quite kind of personable. So if you pick up the phone to us, you speak to, you know, you speak to a real person very quickly. And they're kind of one of our friendly team in our call centre in, in Wiltshire. So um, I must say, I've been, I was a customer with Good Energy long before I worked here. And actually, our team the team of people in the call centre are really very nice. It was often I know that, well, certainly personally, I feel ringing up, I don't know, my broadband provider or my bank or something, a bit of trepidation about it. Yeah. But actually, it's always a really pleasant conversation. And you guys um, have won some awards, haven't you, for your customer service? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, we've got a, um, definitely we've got a few awards um, for it in the past. And we're really, yeah, really proud of that. Um, and I suppose, sorry, something else coming back to your question that sets us apart from the big six is we're a really purpose and kind of values led organization. Yeah. So everything we do is about driving kind of our purpose for kind of powering the choice for a, a cleaner, greener future, helping to, to deliver on a, a greener, a greener energy system, a greener future. And that's not just about kind of, it's not just about our electricity and kind of our green gas offering actually it's about just the way the way we exist. So every week we have kind of in our office, we have a metric for how much carbon we've used or how much carbon we've saved. Um, we're always looking for new ideas in the office for things like, um, you know, how can, how can we be greener right down to buying a, an environmentally sustainable brand of, of washing up liquid yeah. in the office. You know, it's, it, we really do kind of live and breathe our values and our, our staff here are all really dedicated to that. Which and that really comes through really clearly on your website, actually, because one of the questions I had to ask you later on, but it's come up now, is that it it seems it feels to me from the website that good energy isn't just about good energy; it's about good business. And and mm. it, like I was like, I really want to go and work there. It sounds like <laughs> as you, said, you really are sort of living those values and mm. also working hard to have a positive impact on the local community as well. There's some projects you do locally as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and community is kind of a really interesting word, actually, because, yeah, absolutely. We do. We work a lot in the local community and trying to make sure we're um, supporting those that are kind of geographically near the office and geographically near our, our kind of our wind sites, for example. But actually, for us, community is even bigger than that. It's about looking after, um, I suppose, looking after the planet for the next generation. Yeah. It's about our community of customers, which, of course, are across the country, making sure we're doing right by them. It's about our 1,400 generators, making sure we're, we're offering them a really good service and you know, giving them a really good fair price for their power so they can continue doing the good work they're doing. Um, so absolutely, yeah, we try to, well, try to do good wherever we, yeah. wherever we really and I, I find that really inspiring because it's proving that actually it doesn't just have to be about the bottom line and that mm. when you are really clear on your values and you make sure that they run right the way through your business and that all your employees are 
are kind of bought into them mm. actually it's you can do some really good stuff and as you said limit your carbon footprint and all those kinds of things at the same time as making a profit for shareholders or whatever the way the business is structured yeah yeah absolutely that's it and and as you say it actually is a really inspiring inspiring place to work um so i kind of i did a phd in the kind of in energy policy before coming to work in the industry and i knew very early on starting that research that good energy was somewhere i would love to work because you can really see in in the work that we do and our communications with customers and just the way the way we operate really yeah is what made me target here is somewhere just i wanted to be a part of the part of what we're doing here and I'm so pleased and so proud to to be able to yeah to tell people I work at good energy yeah that's exactly what I was just going to say I bet it's you could feel really proud to say people say what do you do I, I work at good energy and that that must mm. feel so good to be able to um yeah to feel proud about what you're doing and the impact that your the business you work in is having on the world yeah absolutely um and often I mean good energy maybe we're not the most well-known kind of brand out there but actually even people that haven't heard of us when they ask what I do and I start explaining you know who get a good energy is and what we're about actually it's really engaging really exciting for people because you know everyone knows a little bit about renewables maybe they've they've seen them around and about but kind of explaining to people that you really can become a part of that just either by you know installing your own solar panels or just becoming a good energy customer it's actually it's really easy to be part of this really exciting energy transition which is going on at the moment yeah and we're going to talk um in a minute about how easy it can be to make that switch but this might be a really obvious question and i'm sure that everybody listening to this podcast is already engaged in renewables and knows why they're so important but just to reiterate why is renewable energy so important yeah, no, I think that's a that's a really good question. Actually, it's so easy to overlook it, um, but quite simply because the threat of climate change is the biggest threat we are facing as a country, as a planet, as a society today. Good Energy was specifically founded with the ambition of helping to to tackle that challenge, and the transition, supporting the transition, supporting the move to a renewable energy system is is kind of a big part of that. But actually, even if you know that aside and i'm not saying that that's not important it just kind of makes sense renewable electricity is getting cheaper all the time so we're seeing um developments in offshore wind particularly it's coming in incredibly quickly and when you compare it to the likes of nuclear power which is actually you know it's been going since the 60s and it's still been you know still needs a subsidy and a very expensive subsidy at that if we look at hinkley point c oh whereas renewables is just going completely the opposite direction. It's just, it makes, you know, financial sense. It makes environmental sense. And actually as a country, the more renewable energy we're able to use, the less we have to import from other countries. So the more kind of secure we become yeah. as a nation as well. So, I mean, climate change, obviously the, the big, the big driver, but actually even that aside, there are lots of good reasons to, to move to a renewable energy system. Yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer, really, isn't it? Mm, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so you've touched on this a little bit already, but what are the sources of renewable energy that Good Energy use? So um, actually, we, as I mentioned, we've got 1,400 generators or slightly more than that now, I think, um, that we partner with. And that's a combination between kind of on onshore wind of all shapes and sizes. So 
kind of from the the larger ones that you may kind of drive past and see in the distance mm. through to kind of the tiny little turbines that's you know someone might have just popped at the end of their their land or you know even the end of their garden occasionally oh, okay. um all the way up to kind of the large off, offshore wind farms that i don't know about you but i'm always pretty amazed to see kind of standing on the coast looking out to sea and being able to see them um, but from those from wind through to solar again of all shapes and sizes from kind of panels on a roof through to the kind of larger larger solar farms you see yeah. we've got hydro generators so people making use of kind of the flow of water through a stream and biomass as well so it's um, kind of a, a way of producing electricity from things like waste uh, waste food or um, waste animal kind of manure that sort of thing rotting down creates a gas you can burn that and produce electricity so we've got a yeah we've got such a, a wide range of, of different shapes and sizes of generation and that's what uh, allows us to do what we do really yeah um, i guess that probably gives you more flexibility does it if you mm. if you're not just constrained to um, sources of a, of a particular size or a particular type you've got a bit more um, yeah kind of wriggle room maybe yeah absolutely and actually that's it's a conversation I seem to have quite a lot um, with people is kind of people who say well you know we can't just power the the planet off off just wind and actually I'm not trying to argue that we can what mm. I'm arguing or in fact, what we prove at Good Energy is that if you have the right combination of, of wind, of solar, of hydro, of this biomass, of, you know, and when they're coming through, things like tidal and wave, actually, yeah, it's not about trying to find a one-size-fits-all technology. It's yeah. making most of, you know, where it's sunny, put in solar. Where it's windy, put in wind. It seems, you know, it seems really kind of obvious when I say it like this, but actually I think people often get quite hung up on just one technology. Yeah. But actually, there's a real diverse mix. Yeah. Um, not just, and when I say diverse, not just in terms of uh, type of technology, but location as well. When it's windy in Scotland, it may be still in Cornwall and vice versa. So actually yeah. mixing things around and you can actually get, yeah, it's, it's completely viable to have a 100% renewable energy system. Maybe not um, tomorrow, but we're getting there. D- yeah, what's, what sort of timescale do you think we're looking at in terms of, and do you think we will achieve 100% renewables? Um, so timescale, that's a really hard question, <laughs> um, simply because things are changing in this space so quickly. So if we look at where we were kind of five, six years ago on solar, you might walk past a house and if it had solar panels, that would be, you know, that would be something to remark. You know, right. you might mention it to the person you're walking with, look over there. But now it's completely normal. Um, electric vehicles are quickly going the same way you know it used to be a case where you might see one a week but now actually I can't you know I cycle to work every day I I always see a couple Um, so the energy system is changing so quickly I would you know I'd love to be able to say well I think it will be by by x year but actually what I'm pretty sure is whatever year I give you it will be much faster than that really that's Um, brilliant so quickly wow and tell us a little bit more about green gas. You mentioned it earlier. Um, yes. Where does that so, come from? Um, yeah, so what we do is we um, our green gas offering. Um, at the moment, we're always looking to make, you know, make things greener. Mm. Um, 6%, so if you sign up to our green gas tariff, 6% of the gas that you're using, basically we make sure we're buying that much from our, our kind of green gas partner. What green gas is, is I mentioned earlier that 
um, that kind of biogeneration. Mm. What essentially they do is rather than just rotting down that food waste and that food stuff and um, turning that into electricity, what they do is rot that down and that produces methane, which they can then inject into the gas grid. Oh, so okay. Because it's come from those kind of those waste streams, those natural sources, it's not had to be but it's simply dug up out of the ground yeah. it's that renewable yeah renewable option oh, okay so, that's really interesting so with yeah. our particular green gas offering as i say that's six percent and we're always looking for ways that maybe we can increase that number um, but that's kind of where we've started but the rest of the um the other 94 percent, i suppose that you buy we carbon offset right. so kind of look at okay so you've used this much gas so we need to put this much money into um we've got three schemes actually one in nepal one in vietnam one in malawi and these do things like look at reducing deforestation in those areas or going out to communities and giving these um they're great actually these efficient uh they're called cook stoves so basically it allows people in those communities to rather than just cooking on open fires which can be very very smoky very very particularly because it's often indoors very bad for them kind of from a respiratory point of view um, they can use these cook stoves it burns very cleanly allows them to say it reduces that that kind of local local air pollution risk but also means they have to spend less time gathering fuel more time for for other things basically oh, so wow. it's, yeah um, it's about social good as well as as well as just kind of carbon because when people talk about carbon offsetting i always assume it's toddling off somewhere to plant a tree um Mm. but actually it hadn't occurred to me that carbon offsetting schemes could be about reducing the carbon output um Mm. sort of in other countries and things as well yeah absolutely often often you're quite right some schemes are just kind of simply about tree planting but actually yeah it's kind of um and i think personally for me these are some of the the most valuable schemes are about looking for these ways that reduce carbon but also do real social good kind of where they're being done as well yeah um, so, you know, really yeah really proud to have started offering that a couple of years ago brilliant now this is a question that um i told the guys in my sustainable living hub that i was going to be talking to you and um and somebody asked this question and i and i was like that's a brilliant question so she said, if she switches to renewable tariff, the pipes delivering the energy to her home obviously stay the same. So how, how is it that her home is then powered by renewable energy? So that's, that's a really good question, actually. And we do get that one a lot. Actually. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We're not going to unfortunately go and plug in yep. you know, a new cable from a wind farm into your home, unfortunately. But what we do commit to doing, basically, because you still get your electricity from the national grid, you're mm-hmm. quite right. But what we look at is, OK, so over the year, you as a good energy customer use, I don't know, 3000 units of electricity. Let's call it that. But then what we make sure we do is we go out and when we've signed up one of our 1400 renewable generators, we make sure that over that year we're buying 3,000 units of renewable electricity to match what you're doing. Yeah. And this is just um, kind of, you know, this it sounds a bit theoretical, but actually what we do is we make sure that we have contracts, you know, we're buying this power f- directly from a renewable generator and kind of making sure that goes into the grid. Mm-hmm. So it's not just uh, kind of, it's much more, it's not just an accounting exercise. We're actually, we, when you pay us money through your electricity bill, that money gets passed on to renewable generators. You know, there's yeah. a very direct line. 
And by doing that, the more people that switch to good energy, the more of these generators we have to go out and sign up. So you're creating a demand for that renewable electricity. So um, theoretically, could you could you be in a position where you have more customers on renewable tariffs than you have the renewable and the capacity to supply the renewable energy? Um, I think if uh, you know if 26 million customers yeah. switch to tomorrow, I mean, uh, I think our IT issues may or our IT system might be a bit surprised by that. But yeah. um, I suppose theoretically, possibly. But actually, in reality, what we have is a, a team of people that are very good at going out and signing up these new generators um, that are very kind of passionately engaged. And we're often we're always taking on new kind of new generators and building these new partnerships. Oh. So I suppose in theory, but in practice, actually, we've been going since 1999 and it's not been a problem yet. We're <laughs> able to pace. Brilliant. Um, but I think that's, yeah, I think that's a very fair question. But no, we're. Is, is working out so far. Yeah. And in very simple terms, because once Helen in my Hubbard asked this question, I was thinking about it and I I sort of came back with my um, response that worked in my head, which was kind of if 50% of the country are on renewable tariffs, it means that 50% of the energy entering the grid is coming from renewable sources. Is it as simple as that? So it's unfortunately it's a bit more complicated than that it may not surprise you to hear um it depends on the renewable tariff but i'll i'll come on to that in a moment but if um 50 of people in the country switch to good energy mm-hmm. then what we would be doing is going out and buying more power and so yeah. that would create kind of uh i really don't like the term but kind of a market signal right. and, uh, an incentive for people to be building more renewable generation uh, okay um so yeah, it's, it's kind of, if it all happened tomorrow, that would be yeah. a surprise. But actually, it's about it's about making that transition, making that move as a country to a 100% renewable energy system. By switching to a renewable tariff, particularly with a company like Good Energy, that's actually a really, yeah, a really good way of playing a, playing a part of that. Yeah, and creating that demand, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Um, and what I, you know, I said I, I'd come on to kind of, depending on which renewable tariff mm. you go for, what I meant by that was actually, so we've seen, particularly in the last few years, a number of uh, new, particularly smaller suppliers actually have come into the market offering um, what looks like a 100% renewable electricity tariff. Mm-hmm. Um, and legally, in terms of uh, what the regulator off gens view, legally, they're absolutely doing that. I'm not suggesting they're not. However, because there's, there's a bit of a, a kind of a policy loophole which enables them to actually say they're offering 100% renewable electricity without actually having to sign up a single renewable generator or build a single you know, wind turbine or solar panel. Mm. Um, so often these um, can be some of the, the cheaper deals in the market. And so it's always worth, if you're switching to renewable uh, supply or renewable supplier and you're really kind of passionate, want to make sure you're doing the right thing, it's worth just asking them a couple of questions about where their, where their electricity comes from, you know, how many, how many renewable partners do they have? Because some will have a lot and actually some you may find if you ask this question, actually they don't have any at all. Um, so it's always... How does that work then? How do, they, how do they claim to be sourcing renewable energy? So um, essentially, there's a there's kind of a reporting scheme that um, has been set up by the regulator, um, but it's essentially it's not quite perfect. 
Um, I mean, we, we absolutely can go into this now, and I'm quite happy to <laughs> if you like, but actually it is quite complex. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> but what we do have, um, if people are interested and want to find out more, if you go to our website, go to the Good Energy website, we've got a number of blogs on it, and actually oh, okay. we're going to be um, putting out a load more content on it soon, um, which hopefully will slightly demystify it and will, uh, I'm sure, explain it much more succinctly and clearly than I could right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll point to those, um, I'll go and find them and I'll point to them on the show notes. So if anybody does want to, to dig into that, they can. Excellent. Do um, I, would, I would recommend it, but as I say, it's, it's not necessarily the most straightforward thing. <laughs> um, and you talked a little bit about cost there and some cheaper mm-hmm. tariffs. I think the assumption certainly was and possibly still is that renewable energy, a, a renewable tariff will cost us more. Mm-hmm. Is that still the case? So I suppose there's, firstly, obviously it depends what tariff you're on at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Because actually, particularly if you're someone who's not shopped around for a while for an energy deal, you may find switching to good energy actually is either not particularly more expensive or in fact could be cheaper Mm -hmm. than what you're paying at the moment. Um, There are some of these deals out there, as I say, that kind of make use of this this loophole. So look very, very attractive from a price point of view. But actually good energy we do things very very differently we make sure that kind of the money from your bills goes directly into the hands of renewable generators up you know as i've talked about our 1400 mm. uh, 1400 renewable generators across the country some of which are kind of community schemes some of which are, are just very small kind of local um local kind of firms or local groups that have decided to invest in, in renewables so we do things very very differently we're trying to yeah, we pride ourselves on trying to, you know, look after the little guy and support yeah. the smaller generators. So it is, yeah, it, it is a different product you get when you switch to good energy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think personally, for me, I would rather, if it is a little bit more, knowing that how values driven you are as a company and the social impact and things that you have as well, for me, that would be more than enough to justify me paying a little bit more not only am I getting renewables but I know that you guys are good guys and are doing good stuff as well so that would does that feel good factor as well I think yeah no I'm pleased to hear that and I, <laughs> I agree. As I say, I've been a, I've been a customer much longer than I've been an employee um, because because of exactly that we're so values led we're about looking for every single opportunity to to make a positive impact on the environment um, and it comes down not just to you know the energy that we supply, but actually we're really involved in trying to kind of encourage government to do to do more in this space. Yeah. Try to encourage our staff, engage our local community to to do more. So um, yeah, absolutely, we do. I can hand on heart say we do live our values, and that's yeah. what I enjoy working here. Now, if people are listening to this and and we've persuaded them that they're going to make the they're going to make the switch. Mm-hmm. Lots of people will make that decision with a little bit of uh, dread or trepidation because <laughs> the assumption is that it's just going to be a nightmare and that, you know, the, the logistics of it are going to be really difficult and God, what happens if I get cut off and all that sort of thing. Can you just talk us through the process of, of what's involved and how long it takes and how it all works? Absolutely. So first up, I can categorically say you won't get cut off. <laughs> it's not how the system works at all. Whatever happens, you will always be getting your, you know, your electricity and your gas coming through your pipe. So honestly, don't worry about that. 
in terms of the actual switching process, it's, it's very, very simple, actually. You can either go directly to, you know, the Good Energy website, and it's emblazoned in large yellow letters, you know, click here to, to get a quote and switch me. Or actually, um, one of the most pleasant ways to do it is call up our call centre, speak to one of our very helpful, friendly, real people Ooh. in our call centre culture. Um, I say maybe it's just because I know some of them that I know how friendly and <laughs> helpful they are. Um, but actually, and they'll guide you through everything, give you all the information you need to know as you go along, explain any questions you have, you know, these questions around kind of, so how can you tell me it's renewable electricity mm. if you don't use the wires, that sort of thing. They're all, you know, they're very well genned up on all this stuff. They can, um, yeah, they can guide you through the whole process. But if you're, yeah, if you're feeling a bit happier about it, just go online. It takes, you know, it takes three minutes. It's very, very quick. So literally you, you go online, you click through the thing, you get a quote and then, and then you, you just hit accept and and it happens so basically you'll need to put in a few details kind of name and address and mm -hmm. set up a if you want to pay by direct debit you yeah. can do all that online as well but yeah i mean so i actually i moved house recently so i had to effectively switch to good energy again right. and um because last place i lived i was there for a couple of years and yeah this it's been made even simpler and even quicker than uh, than last time i did it so it's yeah very reassuring to see that yeah brilliant because it's the sort of thing that i think oh, you know, if I'm going to do something like that, or, I mean, it's not equivalent to switching a bank account, but, oh, you know, I need to set aside a day to get my head around it. But actually, you're making it sound much more doable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's not a, it's not the work of a day. It's not even the work of, of half an hour. I reckon you could, a push, I reckon you could get it in an ad break if you're particularly quick at typing. So and they're really very, and they're longer ad breaks. <laughs> um, so what has driven this phenomenal rate of growth in the renewable sector that we've seen it feels to me like over the last 20 years, but you'll be better placed to, mm. to tell me what time scale it's been over. So um, you're absolutely right. Actually, it's been it has been over the last 20 years, but actually it's been even recently. It's the pace of change has been incredible. So just looking at renewable electricity in 2011, it was about nine percent of the electricity the country used was oh. renewable. But now we're up to 25 percent. Wow. There. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's going, you know, the, the rate of change is absolutely, it's exponential. It's even the most kind of, you know, passionately pro-renewables people, I don't think, um, necessarily saw it going quite as quickly as it did. So it has been rapid. Um, and that's down to a few things, really. So the cost has come down, quite simply. The, the more you invest in something, the more research and development that goes into a new technology or a new product, the more innovation that happens. And so things come down cheap, you know, the cost comes down. And so people, more people start building it and more people start investing in it. And, you know, you end up with that kind of snowballing effect. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, has sorry, it reached a tipping point now? Do you think? I think it, we're nearly there. Um, it depends on, um, on a few things, things like uh, policy and the, uh, the way that the energy system is set up in the UK makes, uh, can either make it easier or harder to, to keep building more renewables. Mm -hmm. But globally, yeah, there was more renewables added to the grid last year. I think I'd better double check this. So I will uh, we'll come back <laughs> on this bit in a moment, maybe. Um, I think I'm right in saying I will double check. Please cut out if I'm wrong. <laughs> that there was more renewables added to the grid globally last year than there was fossil fuels. Oh, wow. And so that, that is a real tipping point. Yeah. Um, that actually, it's the energy system, not just in the UK, but globally, 
is completely changing at a rate of knots that no one could have predicted. Um, and that's, let's say, that's off the back of partly research and development. Subsidies actually has become a, is obviously an important part of that. Often people kind of look at it and think of it as a just something that puts up the cost on your bills, but actually is responsible largely for all this development, this huge pace of change that we're seeing in the energy system. But actually, fundamentally, I think part of it is a realization of the threat of climate change. Yeah. Kind of, it was late 80s, early 90s, government started to kind of really look at it. And then into the 2000s, people are really getting a hold of it and really understanding that this is, you know, this isn't a bit of discomfort. This is existential, this threat. And so our existential threat to life as we know it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's the political realization that this is not a problem that's going away and, and that renewables is a hugely important part of, of tackling that challenge. I yeah. think, yeah, that's really driven action in this space as well. And how much is the industry helped or hindered by policy and by government? So I suppose it depends. Different different bits of industry are helped and hindered differently. Okay. Um, I think the fact that essentially the um, it's very, very difficult to get things like new onshore wind built in the UK at the moment. Uh, even even without subsidy, you know, it's it's very, very difficult to, to get things through the planning process, which given that renewable energy in the UK is now the cheapest way of generating electricity, mm. to me just seems kind of seems really counterintuitive that you're not going at this with, with all guns blazing, that yes. you could, you know, you could radically change the system. And if you look at countries like, well, Denmark actually is a great example. Um, so as I mentioned, we've got kind of 25% of our electricity coming from renewables. Denmark's got 60%. Wow. And that's because they basically, back in the kind of 70s and 80s, they really kind of got hold of renewables and decided that was the direction they were going to go in and kind of went hell for leather in that direction with renewables and energy efficiency as well. But And so it just shows that with a bit of political will, oh. really, you know, you can really move quickly. Um, so we really should be looking to kind of countries like Denmark to understand what we, what we should be doing to bring more renewables into our system in the UK. Yeah, it does, it does frustrate me when you hear about energy policy and things that are sort of government level as to as you said it, it seems like it should be a complete no-brainer to be mm. going all guns blazing for renewables and then they're still subsidizing Hinkley Point and things like that and it's just so frustrating sometimes. Well absolutely and I think your, your subsidies point is absolutely the right one because often you'll hear kind of this anti-renewables rhetoric couched in a way about is kind of well we can't afford the subsidies but actually kind of onshore wind and solar, two of the cheapest forms of generation, two, yeah, two renewable forms of generation, are the only forms of generation in the UK that does not get a subsidy now. Really? The government's put in place this policy, which again, we've written about this on our website, so please do have a look, um, called the capacity mechanism, which sounds very technical, but basically is giving money to plant to power stations that are there already many of whom would be there anyway mm. in the name of kind of energy security an objective which is very important but actually when you're giving money to old coal fire power stations and old nuclear power stations and not giving money to new renewable clean generators something's something's wrong there That's something's wrong there. yeah 
absolutely bonkers. Um, okay, right, before we get too political. Sorry, I, yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, what we were talking earlier just before I hit record about community energy and local mm. energy, and it's something that um, is becoming a little bit of a buzzword almost. How, mm. how, does, that, how does that work? So um, historically, uh, community energy is about people kind of coming together and deciding they want to invest in their kind of local energy infrastructure, I suppose. So it might be a group of people coming together and deciding they're going to invest in some solar panels in a local field, invest in a wind turbine near to where they live, something like that, which has been incredible, actually. People taking taking control of and taking a, a stake in the local energy environment has been incredible. Mm. In the future, I think it's going to be like that, but kind of plus. So not only are you going to be able to come together with your friends and neighbours and invest in these things, but actually you'll then be able to buy the electricity directly from those renewable generators. You'll be able to buy electricity from the solar panels that your neighbour has on their roof. Yeah. From the, you know, from the wind turbine that the local farmer has at the end of their land. Um, so it's not in the future, it's not just going to be about owning this stuff, which is really important, but actually it's also going to be able to say, that's where my electricity comes from. Because um, at the moment, presumably these these uh, community energy groups, the energy goes into the grid. But um, there is the potential, isn't there, with batteries and things that a solar farm or a field full of solar panels could produce energy that goes into a battery that is then directly powering the farm or the homes that are around that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, because of, I suppose, without wanting to get too much into the physics of it all, <laughs> you've got a, um, yeah, if you live right next door to a solar farm, the electrons that are being pushed into your wires are probably being pushed by that solar farm. Okay, yeah. Uh, but in terms of that that kind of buying and selling of electricity, you'll be able to, yeah, have a, I suppose, have a contract. Sounds a bit formal and a bit kind of complicated, but you'll have a relationship with that local generator, with that wind farm, with that solar farm to get your electricity from there. So at the moment, kind of community groups, you're right, they're selling in, they're powering it back into the grid and selling actually to companies like Good Energy. Yeah. We've got a number of community schemes on our books. So if you sign up to us, we'll also be passing money onto those as well. Mm. But you'll be able to, yeah, you'll be able to have that um, that direct relationship and know that, okay, this much of my power is coming from this solar farm here and this much of my power is coming from this wind farm there. Um, yeah, this is kind of the next generation, I suppose, of community energy. And that sounds super, super exciting. How viable and realistic is that as a possibility? Um, incredibly, actually. Um, and even, you know, I said that often policy is, is a, bit, a bit slow in this space, but actually what we're seeing is things moving incredibly quickly, including in the policy space. So we've had some, actually, some exciting papers. They're only papers and only thought pieces at the moment come out in the industry in the last few weeks. But actually, it's showing that there's a real appetite to get this going. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, it all sounds very kind of nice and fluffy and idealistic. But actually, yeah, this is going to be coming very, very quickly. That's so exciting. Um, so there's all these new exciting possibilities, but there must be challenges as well. What do you think are the biggest challenges? Yeah, no, you're absolutely the energy sector. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I'm eternally optimistic because, as I say, the the pace of change that we've seen and continue to see 
is absolutely incredible and working you know working with the people i work with and knowing other people in the industry that are equally excited and passionate about about this renewable transition you know i'm i'm eternally optimistic to that the system will or that the energy system will uh, surprise everyone exactly oh. how fast it can happen however yeah there are challenges um i think the, the biggest one really it has got to be apathy that although we're becoming increasingly aware that climate change is a, is a real issue and a real uh, kind of challenge i think a lot of people maybe don't kind of engage with that in in the day to day and particularly yeah. um policymakers maybe don't don't put that high up their priority list then things aren't going to be moving as quickly as we can um but what this you know what that says to me is that what we have is a real opportunity for people that are passionate about the environment passionate about climate change to take action so they can either make choices in their day-to-day -day lives by switching to a renewable supplier or you know making sure they're buying organic produce or you know whatever whatever choices they choose to make but actually a really important one is go and talk to your politicians tell them you care about this stuff Ooh. there was a, a study recently that basically said that a lot of politicians feel the reason they don't do more on climate change is because people don't ask them about it oh really it's, yeah it's not an electoral issue um so make it an electoral issue if we go out and we you know as people that care about this stuff and understand the importance of this stuff we go out we talk to our politicians and say you know what are you doing on climate change what are you doing to make the environment better for my kids yeah and actually they're going to hear that that's an important issue and start to deal with it wow that's that's really interesting because i think the thing i focus on and the thing i encourage other people to focus on is is exactly what you're saying the power of those choices that we make every day about the things that we buy or where we get our energy from and um, and the impact that they might have and i think there is something around talking to politicians or you know sending a letter to your mp it just mm. feels slightly futile but i guess it's exactly the same principle in that the more people that do it it's the pebbles on a beach or the drops in the ocean scenario if everybody Absolutely. who cared wrote a letter or stopped them in the street or whatever mm. um, actually they would they would pick up on the fact that there is a real appetite for this yeah absolutely no you're absolutely right it's exactly like the the pebbles on a beach it's exactly like making the choices about what you buy in the supermarket or where you buy your energy from you know making it very clear that this is a really important issue mm. and when we all get together and do that actually we can have a real impact yeah that's a really interesting point thank you for that so other than we've talked about you know switching to a renewable tariff mm -hmm. but actually probably as consumers of energy we all need to be consuming less to contribute mm -hmm. to decreasing carbon footprints and things mm -hmm. do you guys at good energy have tips for people to reduce their energy usage yeah absolutely um so the i suppose one of the most effective ones you can do is take a look around your home with kind of an energy efficiency hat on mm -hmm. so well as you know all the things like turning off the lights when you leave a room that sort of thing very very important but actually taking a look and thinking okay my have i got insulation in my loft mm. have i got um lots of people live in homes with cavity walls have they been have they been filled you know how how energy efficiency is the how sorry energy efficient is the fabric of my home you mm. know glazing is really important how old is your boiler is it you know if it's 20 years old then chances are that if you swap it for a more efficient one you'll be saving carbon and you'll be saving a lot of money as well um so it's, i suppose it's just being a little bit kind of 
yeah, just being a bit curious about your home, I suppose, because that's where we use so much of our energy. And it's really easy to to just kind of think, well, the loft is the way it looks. And I yeah. can't be bothered to take all the stuff out and put it back in. I recently insulated my loft. It took me about two hours, two and a half hours. Um, and I can promise you the house is a lot warmer for it now. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it, you know, you're paying for that energy anyway. And a lot of it's yeah. a lot of it's leaking out of the roof and the walls and the windows and things. It's you're literally kind of pouring money out of the house, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a real again, you know, it's a real no-brainer in terms of cost, in terms of carbon. And it's as I say, it's it's not difficult to do. Um, and you can still you, you can still use your loft for storage. You can get kind of boards that are specifically designed to go above the insulation. That's so right. Yeah, we're going to be losing out on that useful space. Goodness knows, I couldn't live without you know the space in my loft. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, no, absolutely. It's it's cheap. It's easy to do, and it'll make a real difference. Yeah. And what can we do to encourage this speed of growth and speed of change that's happening in the renewable sector as as individual consumers? So the obvious one for me is switching to a renewable energy tariff. Um, beyond that, as I say, really engaging with policymakers, not just your MP, but actually, you know, your town council or, or whoever you have in your area that's able to make these sorts of decisions. Mm. I think also engaging other people. So, you know, it's, it won't surprise you to hear that for me, energy comes up quite a lot kind of in the pub <laughs> or at the breakfast table. And I appreciate that's not necessarily the same for everyone. But actually, bring it up. Ask people, where do you get your energy from? You know, is it you on a coal tariff or are you getting it from renewables? Um, it's about preserving the, the planet for the next generation. Yeah. Um, surely this is something we all have an interest in. Definitely. And and where you said, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and you said about good energy and the values that you have and that those values run through the company. And I think all too often we're, as individuals, potentially a little bit guilty of, having values that we don't actually act on. So I'm sure that 99% of people, if you said, do you want your kids to grow up on a, a safe, habitable planet, would say yes. Okay, so what are you doing to make sure that that happens? And actually, mm. they haven't made that connection of the impact of their choices and their actions and the future that they want for future generations. Um, so I think it's really important that we stop for a little minute think about our values and then think about what we can do to make sure that we live them yeah no i i couldn't agree more absolutely and actually and that's really empowering that you can make that choice you can make the choice around what impact your day-to-day life has on the planet you know you can choose to yeah. where it's viable, choose to car share choose to walk choose to ride a bike you know these things are really really simple but actually you're making a really big difference yeah Definitely. And that is just sounds like, well, I was going to say that sounds like an amazing um, place to end. But actually, I would love to hear about your vision for the future in terms of energy and renewables. Um, Okay, yeah. So I suppose it's continuing to support this transition to to 100% renewable energy system, really, where we're in a position where actually... I'm not saying tomorrow we could turn off all other power stations and we'd be absolutely fine. It's about making that move and making that move possible. Mm. So the more we support renewables, you mentioned batteries earlier, supporting these sorts of technologies, looking at actually using less, we've talked about, it's really, really important. It's just making sure that the whole direction of change is in favour of a 100% renewable energy system. And people often look at me and say, is that really viable? Could we really get there? But actually, yes, if we move to, 
to a range of different technologies. It's not just wind, it's solar, it's bio, it's, it's anaerobic digestion, mm. it's wave, it's tidal. You know, we've got this multitude of resources at our fingertips. If we can just start to take more advantage of them, then yeah, we'll be there much quicker than, yeah. than you think. And how do we wean ourselves off gas? Because electricity sounds like there's some, I'm not saying easy solutions, but there's some obvious solutions there in terms of solar and wind and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. How is it a case that we have to stop using gas and replace it with electricity or are there, is there growing technologies in terms of green gas production? So that's a, that's a really good question, actually. And historically in the UK, we, it's something we've been very good on electricity, oh. very good on transport, and not so good on heat. But actually, so you've got a few options, and I think jury's still out in terms of exactly which is the right direction to go down. But your first option is quite simply replace your gas boiler with something that uses electricity. For example, something called a heat pump, which essentially is a kind of a box that goes on the outside of your house and it absorbs kind of the heat from the air outside and then heats your home and it sounds you know it sounds a bit like magic particularly because you use your heating on a cold day but actually genuinely it does work it uses the same technology that your fridge uses essentially to take heat from one place and put it into another your fridge is doing the reverse essentially it's taking heat out from the inside and putting it out into the house so it's essentially it's the reverse of that and they're really really efficient so they're up to i think it's 300 percent efficient wow so one unit of energy in gives you three units of heat out so these are technologies which are developing fast um but actually really yeah really good really viable and again i mentioned denmark they're widely used there so this is proven technology this isn't you know pie in the sky stuff brilliant so heat pump Yes, a heat pump. So you can either get an air source heat pump, which, as it sounds, takes heat out of the air, or a ground source heat pump, which takes heat out of the ground. Um, and yeah, there, there are pros and cons to each one, and you have different ones for kind of different ones for different situations. But um, yeah, that's that's the broad strokes of it. And so that allows you to use, you know, if you're with a renewable energy supplier, allows you to use renewable electricity to power your your heat pump. Your heat pump, yeah, brilliant um so on top of that i suppose as i've already mentioned and you'll gather i'm quite a strong advocate having a more efficient home is is a large part of the battle um but sorry coming back to your original question about kind of do we need to get off gas we definitely need to get off natural gas so the the type of the fossil fuel absolutely there is no room for it in our energy system whatsoever there is increasing investment going into biogas that i've talked about um but the jury's quite out on whether we could realistically run the whole you know the heat needs of the whole country on biogas yeah i think what we'll probably see in future is rather than again a one-size-fits-all solution you'll end up with areas that have heat pumps areas that have biogas and actually areas that have what's called a heat network Mm -hmm. so you have essentially um instead of having pipes bringing gas to your front door you have pipes that bring hot water oh okay Um, yeah, so again, really, really big in Scandinavia. They have kind of a, a central, almost like having a boiler at the end of your street. Wow. That then does every house in the, you know, does every house in your road effectively. And so you just have hot water coming directly into your home. And it's a, it's a really efficient way to, yeah, efficient way to run a system. That's surprising because it sounds like it should be massively inefficient because you'd think of the heat loss as the water's travelling along the pipes would be mm. quite a lot. 
So they basically the pipes are very well insulated. Yeah. <laughs> so the, um, the water that's coming through actually isn't. This is going to sound really strange now. Isn't that hot? So in our in our homes, our boilers heat to about sixty degrees C. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you have a, a low heat system, you don't lose as much. So actually, what they do is they pass through a lower temperature of water, so it doesn't lose so much into the earth. Okay. Um, and then when it gets to you, actually, you just have more efficient radiators and a more efficient, you know, the system in your home is more efficient. So actually, you don't need this small radiator getting very, very hot. Yeah. You might have more heating or something that uh, actually... Okay. Yeah. And then I guess there's also, think you know, um, solar thermals on mm-hmm. roofs. And, and we've got this really neat gadget. I don't know if you've come across it, called an iBoost. And um, I, I don't really understand the tech, but... Um, <laughs> we've got solar panels and when they're um, producing and we're not using it, they've, they've, this side boost thing diverts it to the um, boiler to heat the water. Oh yeah, so absolutely. In the summer we get free hot water. Mm. Yeah, no, that's great. Exactly. And that, that's actually a really nice um, demonstration of how a renewable energy system can really, really work that, okay, so during the summer it's producing a bit more electricity than you need. So put it into something else, put it into oh. something that you know you're going to need later. We've talked about batteries briefly. What you've got there is a thermal battery. You're storing that energy and using it later. Um, So absolutely, that's a really nice little model for how how an energy system can work. Yeah, and actually, I don't. I seem to remember it wasn't hugely, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't hugely expensive. It was two or three hundred pounds, and it's probably Mm -hmm. paid for itself very quickly. And it is so Mm -hmm. smug making having a shower on (laughs) like free hot water. (laughs) Um, brilliant so where can we come and find good energy online how can we find out a little bit more if we're interested in switching sure so uh, goodenergy.co.uk is where you'll find us or if you google us I'm sure you'll find us as well Um, you can find loads of information about us as a company kind of our values all these blogs I've talked about that we do you can find them there as well but actually also you can find us on twitter on instagram on facebook um, we're very active there. In fact, we've got a whole load of competitions going at the moment, so that's worth worth having a look at as well. Um, so yeah, we we should be fairly easy to find, um, and certainly yeah, we can uh, give you the details for the phone number to call, and you can come or have a chat to the friendly people in our call centre up the road from where I am now. Brilliant, and I'll pop all those details in the show notes for people, um, so they're all in one place to come and have a look. Thank you so much, Tom. That's been absolutely fascinating, and I hope it's inspired some people to um you know take a deep breath and make that switch and demystify the process for lots of us and um yeah really inspired and empowered us to to think that our energy choices can make a real difference well thank you very much thank you for having me pleasure take care if you've enjoyed today's episode of a sustainable life then i would love to invite you to check out the sustainable living hub This is the essential resource for anyone looking to make sustainable changes, whatever stage you might be at on your own sustainable living journey. Whether you're just at the very beginning and wondering where to start, or whether you're further on and need a boost and a bit of motivation to keep taking those all-important steps forwards. With structured resources and a different topic or focus each month, group calls with me, masterclasses with experts and a supportive community and a private Facebook group. The Sustainable Living Hub really is the perfect place for anyone wanting to live more sustainably and create a better future.
You can find out more at www.asustainablelife.co.uk forward slash membership hub. I'd love to see you there to support you in making changes in your day-to-day life that really do add up to make a huge difference to the future of this planet we all call home. You've been listening to A Sustainable Life with me, Jen Gale. If you've enjoyed the show, do leave a review and make sure you tell all your friends. And I'd love to hear your comments, thoughts and feedback. So do drop me an email on jen at jengale.co.uk or hop over to Facebook and join my sustainable life community.